0: Welcome this morning. About eight years plus ago, I was meeting with a group of 25 or so ministers and church leaders in this county. We do that, we're doing that every week. But at that time, we were meeting in the Irish pub, but they started having breakfast, so we're meeting elsewhere now, and now they're meeting in Chris's church. He and his wife, Elaine, had just returned from China from a mission trip. They made several there. And the morning, that morning, who, the man who was assigned to report or make a speech did not show up. In fact, one of the the songs we sung this morning was by one of the great writers, Green. Well, his brother was the MC that morning, and he asked Chris to tell us about his journey. And when he did, I was sitting across the hall, completely across from him, in that narrow room, and our hearts linked that morning. I'll let him tell you, if he wants to, what happened after that. But every Friday morning since then, with few exceptions, now late because of Patsy's illness, but now we're back on track again, Every Friday morning, this young man and often several others sit at my right arm at our house for a Bible study and prayer. He's like my son. His wife, Elaine, is here. And how many of his church of the Nashville Family Church are here this morning? Would you stand, please? Let us stand. Fourth Avenue, give them a welcome. Would you do that? And this young man has assured me that if I leave this earth before he does, that he will see to it that this prayer ministry that we have worldwide will continue. Will you bow with me as we pray? Lord God in heaven, there's several young men across the nation that i have had the privilege of working with, studying with, influencing over the years but maybe not one more than this one, because he is so diligent and so earnest and so sincere as we study and as we pray together. Thank you for his wife. Thank you, Lord, that two or three years ago when a serious cancer came into his throat, so much so that the doctors decided not to do surgery, but rather began treatments, And just a few weeks ago, his oncologist told him that he is totally free of cancer. Thank God in heaven for so many prayers and for the gift of healing that you brought to this young man. And Lord, I ask that the words that your Holy Spirit puts in his mind and heart will be transformed into vision that he sees, into purpose that's beyond words, into mission that includes each one of us. And so, God in heaven, let us hear his heart in these moments as my dear brother and son in the faith, Chris Whitney, pastor of the Nashville Family Church, gives us his heart this morning in Jesus' holy name. Amen.
1: Amen. Good morning. It's hard to follow that introduction, as you can well imagine. I'm so honored and privileged to be here this morning. I want to thank you for the shepherds, thank them, and and Patrick for allowing me to be here today. Uh, As Dr. Lemons mentioned, actually one year ago right now at this time, I was in the middle of being treated for cancer, and uh, I wanted to thank this church because I know many of you in this church prayed for me, stood with me, and uh, I want to take the moment right now to thank you for standing with me. God worked a miracle in my life, and I'm so grateful to, for, for you all being a part of that miracle and what he did. And uh, my wife, two of my children are here. My third daughter is in St. Louis at the Joyce Meyer Dream Center interning and uh, serving in church this morning and feeding the poor and taking care of those in need. My three grandchildren are here this morning in our church family, so I'm honored to be here. We're honored to be a part of what's going on today. Uh, if you would, if you'd open your Bibles to Isaiah 58. I do pastor a church, as Dr. Lemon said, and uh, but I'm here today to talk to you a little bit about our passion of our church, but the passion of a ministry we started called One Generation Away, and that's the story I want to tell you this morning. If you walk into our church building, as soon as you walk in the front door, if you were just to look to your left, this scripture hangs on our wall. So if you want to know what this scripture means to us, it hangs right in the very foyer of our building. and is is actually one of the three founding scriptures of our church, and I would say this scripture is the foundation of what we believe as far as our community goes. Isaiah 58 in verse 6, if you would, and I know we've prayed a lot this morning, but I am a believer in prayer, as Dr. Lemon said, and when I heard him pray, I thought, I came home and told my wife, I've, this have this first time since I've been in Nashville that I've heard anybody pray like that, and uh, I said, I need to go meet that man. And uh, and I'm, I mean that with all my heart when I said if, if he is to go before me, I would be honored and I feel a burden that that prayer ministry that he started would continue throughout the world because it's changed many a life and I'm grateful for what he's given to me. Uh, Father, thank you for this morning, Father. I pray, God, for the tongue of a ready writer, a word instant in season. And Father, I pray that every heart, every ear, every mind is open to what you would have to say today. Father, that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 58, verse 6, it says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh— Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. Amen. I believe that with all my heart, and I I titled this, this morning's message, Let's Get Dirty, Church. I believe that it's time for the church to get dirty. Amen? Amen. We've been way too sterile and way too clean. See, I believe what has happened is about, I couldn't believe how long it was. I I had to look this up because I keep telling people. And um, it's been a long time since I've been in school, so bear with me. And, uh, you know, but way back, it's been 80 years now, in the 30s, there was a thing created called the New Deal. And then there was a second New Deal that President Roosevelt created. And that New Deal, that the government stepped in and started doing the things that the church, I believe, is responsible for. I, I, beyond responsible, I believe we are mandated to do. And we abdicated our responsibility to a government. And today we curse that very government that's doing the thing that we abdicated our responsibility to. And, uh, you know, now if you choose to do that, that is fine with me. You do whatever you'd like. But for me and my house, instead of cursing what was done, we are going to take back what we are supposed to do and take that responsibility back on. That's why I'm here this morning. I firmly believe that this is the finest hour that the church could ever see. I know it seems doom and gloom, and it seems horrific what's going on, but I can tell you right now, this is no more horrific than what we've read about. If you read about Corinth, what was going on in Corinth, and what went about in Rome was so decadent and so vile, yet the church thrived. So instead of saying, woe is me, I'd say as a church, let's stand up and say, yea for Jesus. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I say wherever the sole of our foot treads, we shall by all means possess the land. And I'm not talking about being landowners, but I'm talking about taking back the kingdom. Now, I believe there's some steps to this. And in verse 12, there's no way we can do this without getting dirty. Build the old waste places. Raise up the foundation of many generations. Be called the repairers of the breach, restorers of the streets to dwell in. I love, I thought this morning as I prayed, and, and, you know, being with Dr. Lemons, you're going to learn some stuff, you know what I'm saying? So it's, you know, and a, a gentleman named Alexander Campbell, who's the founder of, of the movement, you know, the restoration movement, I found it very interesting, a founder of a restoration movement, and here we have a scripture that says, restorer of the streets to dwell in. I don't care how you want to interpret the restoration movement, but restoration is Restoration. God came to restore us back to himself. God's the only, only, he is the creator, so he can restore something and make it as good as the original, and that can't be done any other way. So that, I believe, once again is our mandate, and here's some steps I think that need to happen. Commitment is the first, but commitment leads to consistency. I heard a gentleman speaking the other day, and he said, consistency trumps commitment. I totally believe that. So commitment leads to consistency, which leads to credibility, which leads into an open heart to receive, which leads to impact. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. So we've lived here now. It'll be, uh, it'll be 11 years, I guess, in July. July 15th will be 11 years we've lived in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. My wife's from Greenville, Mississippi. We were married in Greenville, Mississippi, 28 Years ago, in a couple months, something like that, and uh, in December, and uh, so we're coming up on our 29th wedding anniversary this December. So a few years ago, we were in St. Louis and we were praying, and we felt like God wanted us to start a church somewhere. So we uh, we prayed. I'll cut this part of it short. We just prayed, and we wanted we, we grabbed we we prayed separately, came back together. I said, I feel like we're supposed to go to Nashville. She said, Me too, but neither one of us had ever been to Nashville before. <laughs> Minor problem. So we bought, a, we bought a laminated map from Borders Bookstore. We prayed over it. We saw this city called Franklin. We got in a car with a uh, couple that was older than us, and we felt more mature in the Lord than we were, and, and that's something that's been a, a hallmark of our lives is trying to find somebody that's more mature than us. And some of you may say, well, that's not hard for you, and I understand that. But, uh, uh, and we try to hang around them and learn. That's why I love being around Dr. Lemons, because I believe we can all learn something no matter how old we are or where we're at in our lives. So we came to Franklin, Tennessee, and I said, uh, we, we drove around for a day and a half. We stood in a Walgreens parking lot up on Old Hickory Boulevard in Edmondson Pike. Some of you may have been that Walgreens parking lot. I looked at my wife and I said, we're gonna move to Franklin. So we thought, man, we're gonna move right now. Well, it took about six or seven years for that to happen. Our middle daughter was born with spina bifida, and it's another great story. I'll tell you another day, another miracle. Had to have a couple more surgeries. Uh, She had severe scoliosis, so it delayed our move. But we finally did make the move here. And as I I moved here to start a church, we we started a church. We didn't know a soul when we moved here and no support. And you might think, man, you are crazy. You would be correct. (laughs) Not bright might be what some of you are saying. You would probably be correct also. Imagine being my wife. No, don't imagine that. So as I was praying one day, God dropped a phrase in my heart one generation away, and I did what anybody else would do. I just reserved a domain name. Now, for those of you that are 53 and older, you know, that's kind of funny because there was a day when we didn't even know what a domain name was. So I did. I reserved a domain name, and I started to pray, and I remembered my oldest daughter now is 26, um, when she was about nine years old, so this is, you know, eight years later. She's about 17 or 18. I'm here in Franklin, and as I was praying, God took me back to a moment. She was watching a special on Dr. King, laying on our living room floor, and she starts to cry hysterically. And I said, Lauren, what's wrong? And she said, Dad, why are they spraying those brown people? And God took me back to that moment, and I realized, and he said, we're a generation away from eliminating racism. Now, I don't like it when people say that, that there's a generation that doesn't see color, because I think that's a slap in the face. That would be a slap to God's creation. Color is one of the most amazing things we have. But well, we have a generation now that doesn't see color as a division. They're not divided by the color of anyone's skin or the color of anything. It mean, that 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 is not an issue to them. So that's kind of how this thing started. And then, as as I kept praying kept praying about it, there was a there's a festival that's been here. If you all have been here a while, um, there used to be a festival we did every year called Cinco de Mayo with La Casa de Mi Padre a Church, right on Fourth and Emmons or Fourth Street, right you know just down the road from you from y'all, and um, actually Ian Bounds, prayed in that very place where that church lays right now, which is another story, great history of this city. But uh, so they needed food every year, and so Elaine went to work for a thing called Mid-Cumberland Community Action Agency that helps people, helps the poor pay electric bills, light bills, delivers commodities. A guy would deliver bread once a week, worked for Second Harvest Food Bank, and he looked at her and he said, hey, you know, we could deliver a truckload of food to your parking lot and drop it off, and you could feed people. She goes, oh, I'll tell my husband. So she did, and uh, she came home and told me and I said, wow, we need food for Cinco de miles, So we ought to do a truckload of food. And we did. And it was wonderful. A year later, a year goes by. I'm from St. Louis. I still have a St. Louis cell phone number because I used to have a business that, uh, I had in St. Louis. That's what kind of fed me. I commuted back and forth, uh, as we started the church and things. So a year later, I'm sitting in the, uh, Regents Bank parking lot down on first right there, you know, and, uh, um, I told Elaine, I said, man, I need to call Second Harvest. I need another truckload of food. Cinco de Miles is getting ready to happen. I had no sooner got the words out of my mouth and my phone rings. It's Second Harvest calling me. Now, you might think, well, that's no big deal. I have a St. Louis cell phone number. I've only worked with them once. And they have a free truckload of food. Free. I like free. It's good. So I said, that'd be great. And uh, lo and behold, did I, little did I know what that would lead to. What it led to was last year with my cancer was kind of a rough year. The year before that, we did $1.1 million worth of food on a $75,000 budget. It's Pretty amazing, isn't it? Only God could do that. So I'm not here. I, I want you to understand something as we, as we, as we dive into this. I'm not here trying to talk to you about a brand. I'm not here to talk to you about the great things I have done because I've done nothing but try to be obedient to God. Rather, what I want to talk to you about is joining a movement that I believe started over 2,000 years ago by a man named Jesus. Soon after his resurrection, or soon he was resurrected 30 days, he extends into heaven and he puts 120 people in a room until they're endued with power from on high, until the Holy Spirit visits them, and those 120 people turned a world upside down. I believe that's why we're here. We're supposed to turn a world upside down. It's not for us to be dictated to by the world. It's us to dictate to the world. So once again, why not so what, what I'm here to talk to you today about is a movement, a movement that I didn't create, just a movement that Jesus created when he said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. The mission of my church, I sat with Pastor Hewitt Sawyers of West Harpeth Primitive Baptist Church, who's one of my dearest friends now. I've spoken in his church. I've been blessed. He's spoken in my church. And when I first met him, we sat down across the, across the table from each other at, at the um, Starbucks and Target, and he looked at me and he says, tell me something about your church. I said, you know, something about our churches, we love to serve other churches and other ministries. Hewitt looked at me, he leaned back, he says, in 30 years, I've never ever heard a pastor say that. Now, part of you would go, wow, pat yourself on the back. But in me, it made my heart sink. How in 30 years does this man never heard another pastor say, I'd like to serve you? Do you see a problem with that? Could you imagine what it would look like if we started to serve each other? What that would look like? We started to outserve each other? Could you imagine what the world would look like? It would look completely different than what it is today. So as I started to pray, we had a 20-member church, and it's hard to deliver 20,000 pounds of food when you got 20, th- 20 people. <laughs> Bag it, sort it, deliver it, you'll see some pictures later. Can you imagine what that would look like? So I needed some help, so I started calling some other churches and saying, I, you know, Hewitt's people started showing up. I didn't even know who Hewitt was yet. I called Kevin Riggs, you know, called David Yoder, some of my other friends that I'd gotten to meet in the community, Dr. Lemons. So some of y'all, people just started showing up. Showing up in a parking lot to feed people in their community. And I thought, man, we're a generation away from eliminating denominationalism. Where we're not labeled by the name that's on our building, but we're labeled by Jesus Christ. Follower of the King. As Dr. Lemon says, we came together as a group of men, a group of pastors. We meet every week in this community. Every week we meet. 12 o'clock. I'm sorry, yeah, 12 o'clock every week, every Wednesday. And we based our meetings on one thing, death, burial, and resurrection, that's it. Do you agree on that? We could spend eternity talking just about that. We don't need to talk about the other things, which, and I'm not saying these doctrinal things are not important, but they are not important. (laughs) You hear what I'm saying? They're not important. Death, burial, resurrection is everything. And so once we've got that, we can work together. So we are a generation away from eliminating racism, denominationalism. And the last thing we added to that as I started to feed people was poverty. I'm going to start sharing some stories with you about what has happened in my journey. I would deliver commodities up at Mid-Cumberland. We would go in and there would be a couple elderly women that would serve there. One of them's name was Miss Rena. Miss Rena was 76 years old and she would volunteer to serve commodities. She would help people fill out forms and help... And we started doing. I'll never forget doing a food distribution one day, and Miss Rena's in my line. She couldn't stand, so she'd bring her own bench. She couldn't stand for long periods of time, so she would sit on her thing, her stool. I'd go up and hug her. her. She's just as sweet as could be. I love hugging people. And uh, so one day I hugged Miss Rena in the line, and she said, "She said, Pastor, I just want to thank you so much." I said, "Oh no, Miss Rena, it's, it's just my honor. It really is an honor to serve you." She said, "You know, no, you don't understand." She said, since you're giving me food, now I can pay for my medicine. Yeah, we're in Franklin, Tennessee. She lives in Franklin. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've heard that story now. You want to know what the average senior citizen gets in food stamps? Now, this is not a scientific poll. This is my poll that I've talked to just different seniors. They get 16 to $17 a month in food stamps. So I would challenge anyone in this room, and I know there's some good mathematicians and some people that coupon and stretch. Maybe some of you hardcore couponers could take $16 and get a month's worth of food out of it, but the rest of us, whoo, doctor. We'd be slim and trim, wouldn't we? So I believe we're a generation away from eliminating poverty in America. And, you, and some of you may say that are, that are Bible people, But Jesus said, we'll have the poor with us always. And I totally agree with that. But I believe there's a difference between poor and poverty. Poverty is you're making life and death choices every day. Do I buy medicine or do I buy food? That should not happen in the United States of America. Not if we are the church. That should not be happening in the United States of America. It can't happen anymore. We have to stop it. So... That's what one generation away stands for. Generation away from eliminating racism, denominationalism, and poverty in America. The statistics are one in four children in middle Tennessee do not know where their next meal is coming from. One in four. One in six of the general population. I don't know if you know this, but Franklin Special School District, over 47% of the kids are on assisted lunches. These should be alarming statistics to everyone in this room. You know, for years, I've been, I've been very blessed since I've become a Christian. God's done some amazing things in my life. I never saw an ocean until I was 31 years old. But since I was 31 years old, I've been to 17 nations now, preaching the gospel around the world. I believe we should share the gospel around the world. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, and we all know this, this uh, You know the scripture very well. But if you look at Acts chapter 1. In verse 8. Jesus says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I believe that scripture with all my heart but the problem is we've been reaching the ends of the earth while we step over our neighbor To go feed someone in Haiti or Africa or go to help someone in the poor. But we keep stepping over our neighbor that's right next to us that needs our help. And if I read this scripture correctly, to me we are to do all of these simultaneously. We take care of our Jerusalem, our church, our Judea, our community, our Samaria, the region we live in. And then anything beyond that is the uttermost parts of the world. But it's time, church, we quit stepping over people that are right next door to feed someone on another continent. This is our season, our time, our finest hour as followers of Jesus Christ. This is our opportunity to do that which needs to be done. Now, in this church, there are some amazing people, and I'll admit I am struggling with something this morning, and I guess got to vent it out of my heart right now. So a few years ago, we got a little bit of water hit in Nashville, in case you all were here. It we just got a little, a few little puddles called a flood. You all had a little puddle in the basement, if I remember correctly. Well, I, I, uh, I'm in a meeting, an empty hands meeting over, and we were at La Casa de Mi Padre that morning. Scott Rowley's there, you know, Chris Williamson. So Scott was still with Christ Community. Chris is with Strong Tower. You know, all these churches are in this room, you know, and, and they said, we need to get together and do some flood relief. And I, my church in St. Louis had nine feet of water in it, the church I was in in St. Louis, eight months after we built it. So I had a little bit of flood relief experience, and I have the smallest church of the group. So obviously, who did they ask to lead flood relief, flood relief for the churches but me? And thank God my wife was not in the room at the moment, but you're, thank God you weren't at my house when I went home later also, so if you know what I mean. Because you probably understand what I said when they asked. I said, sure, why not? And then I went home and told Elaine, and she was like, what were you thinking? Well, I probably wasn't, which is a good thing. And so Anyway, that leads me to Fourth Avenue Church of Christ because I got to know Phil real well and Lori and and Melinda. You know, and that was, how many years ago was that now? Is it almost five years, coming up on five years? I've been looking for a parking pass for Christ, for Fourth Avenue Church of Christ. I haven't gotten one yet. I was here every day. I was like a member. Every day for a year I was here. I was bringing sandwiches, stuff. I thought, you know, I'm not asking for much. But I'm okay now. I just had to get it off my chest. But, you know, when I was working with Phil and the team, the guys here, it was wonderful. But, you know, we had a group of guys from a vineyard church in Louisiana that were up here helping us. And, and they got to talking about how they helped at Katrina. And these guys were up here now helping. And it's amazing when a disaster happens how denominations don't matter anymore. Isn't it? Man, we don't even think nothing of it, do we? Well, guess what? We're living in a disaster right now. There's hungry people in America. And it's a disaster that's happening every day Every weekend, kids are going home from school with nothing to eat, and I'm not exaggerating. I'm, I'm telling you what what's going on. The great news about that is we get to be part of that solution. That was a weak amen. One person said amen to that. That's why we're in trouble. See, you get amen when it's good, and then you're like, "Ouch!" Commitment with consistency. Oh, that's what you meant. Yeah. See, we've been feeding people for five years now. Now, most of you don't realize I'm going to give away 14 truckloads of food at least this year in Middle Tennessee. I've already done two. And there's a lot of people in this room you never even heard of us, which is fine. I mean, I'm, I'm not here to be heard about, but I am here to be heard. We must take care of our neighbors we must. See, i found that my commitment was good, but I've learned that my consistency is everything. See, our consistency, our track record, right now, if you walked into a one-gen food distribution, what happens is is we bag 20,000 pounds of food in a parking lot, which is hard to picture, and you're going to see pictures in a minute. It's hard to imagine, but when all that's done, then we, then we have 20 shopping carts, and so what we do is we, we, uh, we, we have 20 cart pushers, and we have people receiving food, and you're gonna meet a person receiving food. And then there's gonna be people at a table that are gonna put bags in the carts, and they're gonna smile. But while you're pushing this cart with this person receiving food, you're gonna get to know them. And you're gonna start to find out something really strange about the person that you're pushing the cart for. They have the same dreams and aspirations you do. They want their kids to go to school, they want a good job. They want to pay their bills. And you're going to start to realize there's not a lot separating me from them. Then you're going to get to their car, and you're going to load groceries in their car. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to do one simple thing. If you are at a distribution, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to ask them one simple question. Is there anything I can pray with you about today? And that's when everything happens. You'd be amazed because of our consistency, which has led to credibility, which has led for people to open their hearts, what they will ask for you to pray about right then. So church, I'd love for you to step up and take an opportunity to serve with us, whether it's physically, financially, whatever it is, I'd love your help. We're going to show a little slideshow of what we do. We have some urgent needs right now. I have a, a, a man down. My 14-foot box truck, it looks like, has bit the dust. We have a refrigerated box truck that has fed more people in this community than you can ever imagine. And we've put uh, a new flywheel in it, we've put a new starter, we've put new rotor, it, but it still won't start. It's a 1988, seen better days. And uh, so if you could start showing some slideshows of what's going on. And I'll try to, there's our logo right there. So if you see the two white trucks on Columbia with a flag on it, that's us. In case you are wondering, that's us. And I'll keep, as these slides roll, I'll give you some input on what's going on. I'm a, there's my grandson pushing on the bottom of the cart. See, I believe that you, this is a great event to bring your kids. Because see, as you bring your kids, they're going to see their parents doing what we you know what you should be doing serving the poor feeding the needy and i believe our kids are going to grow up one day should the lord tarry, and they're going to do something really cool with this and really crazy and feed a bunch of people and do with their fraternities those are bagged groceries on the ground that are getting ready to be distributed i tell you that story because i had a story down in houston texas which we were doing a distribution this is one we did over in west virginia in Houston, Texas, we do quite a few. And I, uh, I was there one time and a, a couple found me there and they asked me, they said, are you the founder of this? I said, yes, I am. And they said, uh, "Could we tell you a story? Our friends had to leave. They had to go to a soccer game. And I said, sure. And they said, their 13-year-old son was, uh, came to a food distribution and he kind of came kicking and screaming, you know, the first one. And and they were driving home from that food distribution and they said, mom and dad, I wanted to thank you for taking me to this food distribution He said, you don't know this, but this morning I was praying. He said, I prayed this morning that if God was real, that he would reveal himself to me. And he says, now that I just did this food distribution, I know that God is real. 13-year-old boy. See, these are family things. These aren't just Something that we do so you can do something. These are things you bring your kids to. Look at all the people that are there from different, those are all different churches, different races, all coming together. Kind of going to look like Revelation does. Every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And there's going to be one last one. When we get to the last slide, there's a story. So when we were, a few years ago, we did 18 of these, or we did 32 of these in one day. Because my, my vision is in the last Friday in September, which is Hunger Action Month, that's Harlandsdale Park right there, Harlinsdale Farms, filled with food that we were giving away. That picture was taken the day of the flood on that Saturday. It was a food distribution we did on the day of the first day of the flood we were doing. And that picture was taken that day. So we, uh, we got a call from Huntsville, Alabama after the tornadoes happened. We sent an email to a food bank, and they were out of food. So they, so they sent the email to all the, all the ministries they served, and a church called us and asked us if we'd come to Huntsville to help them with the food distribution. Elaine and I get in our car. We drive down there, and this is a picture from that food distribution, and we walk into a meeting with about 10 people in a room, and, they, and so we just sit down thinking, oh, this would be cute, and walked in, and they said, we're here because of you, and Elaine and I went, you're like, oh my gosh, now what do we do? And the county commissioner's sitting in the room, and he looks up, and he says, I'll give $10,000. And Kroger's there, and they said, we'll give two trucks of food. And a chicken company's there and said, we'll give a truck of food. And Elaine and I said, okay, good. Now we got something to work with. But on that day, Elaine drove to Huntsville, Alabama, while I was doing a food distribution here in Franklin, Tennessee. And on that day, they fed 200 shut-ins that day, people that can't get out of their house. Before I finish that story, I want to finish my other story. Last Saturday, Friday and Saturday, September, Hunger Action Month, I want to feed a million people around the country through the local church. That means 900,000 people minimum would be prayed with face-to-face by the local church. That's not happening right now. Let's just be honest. And don't, don't, be, don't be disappointed and hide your head, because we, don't need, we can repent and just say, we're going to change that. It's easy. Amen? So that day, as I close, they walk up to a door and knock on a door and a woman opens her door and they standing there were two boxes of food and she burst into tears and they said ma'am what's wrong and she said I prayed this morning that if I was going to eat God would have to feed me the moral to that story is God didn't answer her prayer that day he answered that prayer three months earlier when Elaine and I drove to Huntsville Alabama you see what I'm saying so I'm asking you today would you like to be a part of answering somebody's prayer that's going to happen several months from now, or several weeks, or several years from now? Thank you. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for this opportunity today. I thank you for this great church. Father, I've been blessed to serve alongside some amazing people in this church. I've watched this church serve this community through Franktown, through barbecues, through all the different things that they do. I've watched them welcome people in for meetings. God, I love this church. I'm thankful for 4th Avenue Church of Christ that you've put them in our city. Thank you for the impact they're having. And God, all I'm here today is to encourage them, hopefully, to expand their footprint. God, I pray you would expand the footprint of this church God, raise up this church to be a bigger light, a bigger, larger beacon for this community. For Middle Tennessee, God, I pray you'd raise up this beautiful place, these beautiful people, to impact the world for your glory. Father, we are praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you.